0: Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 73 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. My guest today is one of the finalists in the Ring of Honor Women's World Title Tournament. She will face Roxy in the finals at Death Before Dishonor. That's on pay-per-view and Honor Club on September 12th in Philadelphia. She is the lucha baddie, Miranda Alizé. Miranda, welcome to the show.
1: Having me, how are you?
0: I'm great, and you must be doing great because you are in the finals of the tournament. So, congratulations on that! Congratulations on making it to the finals!
1: Thank you. I am doing fabulous. I feel awesome.
0: Well, we just saw you defeat uh, Trisha Dora, a, a very formidable opponent uh, in the semifinals this past weekend on Ring of Honor TV. And I, I think it's fair to say, no disrespect to you, but I don't think when people saw the original bracket that a lot of people were picking you to get all the way to the finals. And I'll be honest, I went on record as saying that I predicted Nicole Savoy to win the whole thing. And obviously she was on your side of the bracket. So I'm sure you heard that talk too. I'm sure you heard the favorites being mentioned and and your name, not necessarily maybe being one of them. Did you feel like you had something to prove in this tournament and and that you have indeed proved it by getting to the finals?
1: Um, I don't think I had anything to prove. I think that's what uh, sets me apart from everybody else, literally everybody in this tournament. If I mean, I've watched, obviously. I've watched all of my opponents, and I think while the fans have watched also. Literally, like every single girl that talks about this tournament, they all have to prove something. Everybody said it. Quinn McKay says it all the time. She has to prove to herself. Chelsea Green said it on her debut of Ring of Honor. She has to prove to herself. She has to prove to the fan. Nicole Savoy said it. Roxy says it. Everybody has to prove themselves. I don't have to prove myself to anybody. And I think that's why I'm in the finals. Like, it it just is what it is. I don't have to prove myself to anybody. I know my abilities. I know how good I am. And I proved this to myself a long time ago. So I'm so past that stage. It's just... And, and that's why I'm where I'm at. And that's why... Other people are where they're at. Um, Yeah, I don't get a lot of love from the fans. I don't get a lot of love from the wrestling community, but that's okay. I don't, I mean, I have myself, you know, I'm my own support system. I clap myself on the back um, and I'm not a follower. I'm a leader, so I'm okay with that, man.
0: Well, you know what? That's a great way to put it. And you're absolutely right. A lot of people did use that motivation of I've got something to prove and I want to show everybody. And I guess there is something to be said for just, having that confidence in yourself and not worrying about what anybody else has to say. And as you pointed out, it has served you well because here you are, you're in the finals, you're on pay-per-view, you are one win away from being the ring of honor women's world champion. I want to go back a little bit though, and talk about some of your previous matches in the tournament Now you wrestled um, two of your two people that you've said you consider friends, Alex Gracia. And as we said, Nicole Savoy, but it seems like you were really able to put those friendships aside in this tournament. And I noticed it wasn't just like once the bell rang, it was like, OK, we're opponents now. We're not friends. And then afterwards, we'll be friends again. It seemed like that friendship was really thrown out the window. I mean, we even saw you bite Nicole, Nicole Savoy's fingers, which doesn't seem like a good, you know, a nice thing to do to someone you, you, that you consider a friend. So, and then I I noticed even after that match, it seemed like she wanted to kind of give you a hug or something and you just kind of pushed her to the side. So, I mean, what was, what was that all about? Are there just, just, there's just no friends at this point for you or, or like, what, what's the mindset?
1: No, I don't, I don't think I'm going to say that. Um, I, I mean, I think everybody has friends. Some people have more than others. A lot of people have more than what I do. Uh, I keep my circle really, really tight. Um, no, I'm not going to say that we're not still friends. It's just sometimes you got to do what you got to do, man. And I did what I had to do. It just it is what it is. Like, and it's not just wrestling. It's just business in general. You have to put friendships to the side to succeed sometimes. Um, doesn't mean anything outside of the ring. It's just, it, it's just business. That's all. It's grown woman business. And you have to do what you have to do. And you have to protect yourself. And that's what I was doing.
0: Well, I think N- Nicole seemed uh, quite shocked and taken aback that you would resort to biting. I mean, that was, um, I think that was a shock to a lot of people. Was that just sending a message to her that like, hey, we'll be friends later, but not right now.
1: I like Nicole, she's one of my favorite people, to be honest, she's a sweetheart, I like her. Uh, She's always been super, super nice. I don't like for anybody who watches my matches on the indies before I was at Ring of Honor. It's just something that I do, it's not yeah. personal, it's just something that I do. Okay, it's just it's, maybe she took it personal, but she didn't have to take it personal. If she did, that's on her, that's her problem. But it's just something that I do, so I'm pretty sure you'll see it in a lot of my other matches also.
0: Well, I will definitely say this, you've certainly earned that moniker of the Lucha Batty. But I'm curious, how did you you get that name? Is that something that you came up with for yourself or did someone else kind of uh, name you that?
1: It's actually funny. Um, I actually did not come up with this name by myself. Um, When I was down living in Mexico, I would do a lot of the, uh, I was like in a border town, so I was right under San Diego. Uh, So I was doing a lot of wrestling on the West coast and I had a show in San Diego, like a week out or so. And the promoter had, he wanted me to film a promo and I was like, okay. And like, I love filming promos. I just don't like the typical, Hey, we need to sell some tickets. You're going to be here. You're going to be here. 60 second promo. So I like try to like feed off of a script if I get one. And he was like, so these guys that I was supposed to go up against, they're a tag team and they called themselves the lucha daddies. So he came up with like this promo. And then it ended with like, me saying that I'm the lucha baddie. And then like, I didn't think anything of it. But then like, a few months later went by and I was like, Hey, I was like, that actually goes really, really, really well. So I started using it. And it just, it just, it stuck so good. So no, I didn't I would have never came up with that on my own. I got this from a promoter that I was going to work for. That I was working for um, a lot down when I was in uh, on the West Coast. So yeah, that's how that happened. But hey, I'm rolling with it, and it works. And I think it's one of the best things ever. Everybody loves it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it definitely suits you. Um, but let me ask you this question though: How much? Obviously, people turn up their personality and everything. That's a big part of pro wrestling is, you know, being a character, being larger than life. How much of the real Miranda Alizé that's away from the ring would you say that there is in the Lucha Batty?
1: That's a tough question, to be honest. Um, I'm very so in the ring. I am a totally different person than what I am outside of the reed. Um, I think there's some of it that's very, very real in a sense of uh, the way that I look and the way that I dress. Um, I Like most girls will put on like leggings and like a tank top or something like that. I pers- I, jo- I don't like leggings. Like the only, the, my first go-to is like joggers. I always wear Jordans and joggers and bands um, and I always wear a snapback. So as far as my look, that's very, very much of myself, which kind of, I think that's why it makes everything in the ring so natural for me. Um, and I think I do have a little bit of a, I think I do intimidate a little bit of people outside of the ring. I get that very, very much so every everywhere. I, like, I guess it's a hard question because I can't see myself the way that other people see me. I can only see other people. And I've always wanted to see, how other people see me. So I think, um, obviously I'm not out here biting people on a daily basis. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? But the way that I dress, that's very, very much me. Like the shoes that I wear in the ring are the shoes that I wear in my daily life. Like I'm always wearing joggers. I always have on like a wrestling tee and a snapback. I have on a snapback right now that's to the side. I have on some shorts and some Nikes um, and a Ring of Honor t-shirt. Like I'm very much... I have like very much that tomboy look, so my look is very very much myself outside of um outside of the ring um but like i'm not i i think i'm very i have a different personality when it comes okay. to like being outside of the ring versus inside the ring, but the look is very very real okay.
0: um, so, so there is yeah. a lot of there is a lot of you in in what we see in the ring, but like you said, yeah, I guess probably can't go around in a civilized society, biting people that probably wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't uh, go.
1: Especially through. with what I do for a living outside of wrestling. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are a trainer. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I am a trainer. And then, um, I do a lot of, like I specialize in a lot of rehab work and I also, uh, do massage therapy. So I kind of like, I take like a very, very recovery base. It it kind of like all goes into hand with each other. Um, but yeah, that's what I do. I, I work on people with that deal with like a lot of injuries and chronic pain. So that's very different from being inside a wrestling ring, but they love it. They love watching my videos. They love what, like they, my clients love it.
0: Wow. So that is interesting. Your job. So in the ring, you're, well, look, not that you're trying to hurt anybody, but obviously you're there to, it's a physical sport. You're there to win. So in a sense, you're inflicting pain. And then your job outside is to help with help people get through their pain. You know, it would be a, this would be great business for you. Maybe you start, you know, you get in there with an opponent that you rough up a little bit, and then they can come to you and uh, you can rehab them, and they can pay you for that.
1: Yeah, I actually see a lot of the wrestlers down here uh, in Texas. Like a lot of them come to me very consistently for their pain. Um, and also, it uh, I've been doing this for quite some time now. It helps me. I've never had to go to a doctor, or go to, like, the only time I'll go to, like, a doctor, or, like, a physical therapist, or a chiropractor, or anything like that, is if I had a very, very serious injury, which I have been very blessed, and I haven't had that yet, and I feel like I need an MRI, but other than that, if I have, like, a sprain, or a strain, or any type of stuff like that, I can, I rehab all of my stuff on my own. Um, Yeah, so it, it works out well, and then, like, i've sprained almost every single thing on my body i've sprained my shoulder sprained my knee, sprained my ankle um so i rehab my own injuries and then i just like when my clients come and see me i know exactly what works and it just yeah it's just kind of like a hand in hand thing so it works out for me
0: that's great you know i have a there's a friend of mine in this business named crowbar and i don't know how familiar you are with him but he used to wrestle in wcw years ago He also went into uh, physical therapy and he told me that exact same thing because he had kind of a high flying, uh, sort of extreme hardcore style, you know, took a big toll on his body, but he's like, I know what I'm doing. So I know how to rehab myself. And that's exactly what he did.
1: Yeah. And I also know how to prehab myself. Like, like, I don't know, like other people, like everybody has their own style of training in the gym, but like, I don't take the, the, like the split body routine approach that most athletes do. I do very much functional training. So I train to help prevent myself from injuries. So, yeah.
0: Let me ask you a little bit more about um, the persona of, of the Lucha baddie and what you portray in the ring, because, you know, obviously fans, we always like to classify there's, there's good guys, bad guys, baby faces, heels, or Rudos, as we would say in Lucha Libre. You seem to be sort of in that middle ground area, uh but definitely leaning maybe towards the rudo or the heel side how, how do you I'm just curious how do you see yourself?
1: Oh, uh, I see myself as the bad guy in the ring, um, but I can see as to why like i I kind of like tend to be in between because a lot of my style is very, very flashy right um. Yeah, but I think my character is more of a bad guy and I think it's just my moves that are just flashy and boom, 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 boom. Okay. It just comes more natural, I guess. I don't go in there and try to be the bad guy or try to be the good guy. It's kind of just, that's just whatever comes natural is what comes natural. That's just what I do.
0: Right, and I think that, that brings a realism to it, you know, for sure, I think. Um, well, let, let's talk about your opponent in the finals, Roxy. Because I know that you know each other very well. You both trained with uh, Booker T, wrestled for his promotion, Reality of Wrestling in Texas. We saw the two of you actually team together at Glory by Honor, and and you guys were victorious. And I know that you faced each other before. I think one time, according to my research, maybe in uh, 2019, and you won that match. So, what? obviously, again, you know each other. What is the key? In your mind, to beating Roxy and becoming the women's champion.
1: Um. Well, I've actually wrestled her twice, so I beat her twice.
0: Oh, two no, uh, okay.
1: Yeah. Um. Honestly, like I don't, I I understand that it's a big match and it's a championship match, but I don't. I'm not looking, and that's very important, obviously. But I'm not looking at it as any other way. I'm going in there. I'm doing what I do every single night. Um my experience puts me I I have an advantage because of my experience and it's just it's not something that I'm worried about let's put it like that but that's not a her thing that's just uh, everybody that I step in the ring with thing it's it's just like not that it's just another match because it's very important but I'm going into it as like I'm not going to do anything different. I don't have. I don't feel like I have to step up my game or anything like that. I'm going in there like I always do. Um, and I think my confidence and my uh, experience puts me at the advantage when it comes to that match there.
0: Okay. Well, let me ask you this: If you could put it into words, uh, what would it mean to you to be the Ring of Honor Women's World Champion? Because obviously, everybody wants to be a world champion. But I think maybe this has maybe a little more uh, significance because it's a brand new belt. It's a, and it's really a reboot and a rebrand for the women's division. It's a whole new era. And the person that wins this tournament is always going to remember it as, you know, the standard bearer, I guess, kicking off that new era. What would it mean for you, uh, do you think, and your career to, to be that person?
1: Yeah, uh, like I said, the match is very, very important. Um, It's a big deal. I'm going into it with the mindset of, um, I I can't, I'm not going to stress out about my opponent. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm not going to do any of that because that's just going to put me at a disadvantage. Um, But it is very important to me in a sense of, yeah, I do want to win this thing. And uh, to be honest, I feel like I deserve to win this thing. So why am I not going to go out and give it up my all? And I've been fighting my whole entire life, so... It's going to be very important. This is the new championship. It's going to set the pace. Whoever wins this match is going to be the face of the locker room, the face of the women's division. Uh, It would mean a lot to me. So Roxy's really, really going to have to bring it because there's not going to be anything that's going to put me down or anything that's going to stop me. So I hope that she's ready, but it means a lot to me. Um, And if, if and when... I become champion. It will be the biggest moment by far in my career. And I've done a lot of stuff. I've been to Mexico. I've worked for all the big companies. I've been to Japan. I've been to the UK, but this is probably the biggest match in my career. So as I said, it's very important to me, but I have to go into it with the mindset of I'm not going to change anything. I'm not going to change the way that I work. I'm not going to change the way that I think um, because my confidence is going to put me at that at that level. And my experience is going to put me at that level. And it would mean a lot to me to be the ring of honor women's champion. Um, I've been doing this for nine years and I've had to sit in the back and watch people get the spotlight for so long. So like I said, uh, Roxy's going to have to bring it, man. Like she's going to have to bring it. Cause nothing's going to stop me from getting what I want and getting what I feel is exactly for me. And I've been waiting for my moment. I've watched everybody have their moment. I've sat in the back and watched everybody have their moment. And it is my time. And I hope she can bring it because nothing is going to stop me from taking my moment. I have been fighting for this forever. I work harder than anybody in the room. And I guess whenever I do become the Ring of Honor Women's Champion, We're going to have to look back at this footage and just I'm pretty sure my face, my facials and my emotions. I get kind of like worked up talking about it. And I also had a big cup of coffee right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And this is why this is why I I say that I don't overthink my matches. I just go into it. Doesn't matter who it is. I have to stay focused because I don't like to have any anxiety or any stress. But it's it's a very big deal for me. Um, I know that there's like people see me in the ring and see my character a certain way. Um, I'm very much, I'm in a way the same outside of the ring, but I'm also very different. Um, And at the end of the day, I'm very humble. So, and I have great passion for this business. I love what I do. I don't have to do this. I do this because I love to do this. I've always loved to do this. I've always wanted to be a wrestler since I was a little girl. So I'm ready for my moment. And I, I think I'm pretty confident that, that I'm going to get my moment, man. Like I, I, man, I'm feeling it. I don't know. I'm, I'm really, really feeling it. I'm feeling all of this.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, just listening to you, uh, you're making a believer out of me. I mean, you certainly have the confidence, which is that's half the battle right there is, is, uh, you know, going in that you're good enough to win this thing. And you make a good point too. Like your mindset has gotten you this far, right? So it wouldn't make any, it wouldn't make sense to change anything. As far as your approach or your mindset or anything else going into the finals, why would you? Because it's gotten you here, like I said, to, to this point. One other th- quick thing I want to ask you though, before we take our first break, about the women's division in general. Um, again, like I said, it's, it, you can sort of, you can classify this as a reboot and a reemphasis on the division. What are your thoughts on the state of the division as it is now and and really the role that Maria Canella Bennett has played? in um getting everyone excited about the women's division and getting all this talent together for this tournament
1: i'm really really excited for what it's going to be i know that this is just the beginning and this is just like going up the mountain but i think we have a very very great group uh group of girls there's lots of diversity lots of different styles lots of different sizes um and I love Maria and I have never worked somewhere where somebody just wants to help everybody. Um, She kind of reminds me of Gail Kim in a sense where she just wants to help all the women. Um, And I think everybody sees and appreciates what she does for us. But I, I think we have a very, very good group of women and I think it's gonna be something really, really special, man. Um, so like I'm saying, I I have to be the face. I have to, you know what I mean? Um, I'm coming for this match with everything, but, um, I really, really like Maria. Um, she wants everybody to succeed. She wants everybody to be great. Um, and it's just all at the end of the day, it's all of us coming together as women and working with each other to make the division better as a whole, because nobody's better than anybody and we're all better whenever we're together. We're stronger when we're together. Everybody knows that you're stronger when you're with somebody, not when you're by yourself. Um, I think we have a really, really great group and I think it's going to continue to grow and continue to grow. And I'm really excited for what it's going to be. Um, our locker room is so positive. I love it, man. I I love being there with ring of honor. It's one of my favorite places that I've ever worked. Um, I'm excited for everything that's
0: to come. Well, and I think we are all excited, too. Can't wait until September 12th. We're getting close. Pay-per-view, Death Before Dishonor, also Honor Club. Big part of that show is the finals. Miranda Alizé and Roxy. We are, we are counting down the days. All right, well, we're going to take our first break. We'll be back with much more with Miranda Alizé right after this. Bye.
1: Gonna play wrestling with y'all, but we got something
0: even better. Yeah. Honor Nation! It's the ROH Wrestling Honor Pals, the body slamming, drop kicking way to keep the fun going. We
1: need
0: some tougher competition. El Puto oh. Jay, Dre! Oh. She's the new Honor Pals champion. ROH Wrestling Honor Pals. Bring home your favorite star at shophonor.com. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong podcast with. Miranda Alizé, who is uh, just days away from stepping into the ring with Roxy to determine the Ring of Honor Women's World Champion. Speaking of the tournament, Miranda, you were, uh, were going to be a competitor in the original uh, Quest for Gold tournament for the Women's Championship. That was uh, scheduled for April of 2020. Obviously, that didn't take place for obvious reasons. We had a pandemic How disappointing was that for you? Because and I I think I've heard you talk about this elsewhere is that not only was the quest for gold tournament postponed indefinitely, but you had some other big matches or big shows that month that were called off. So, I mean, what was, obviously it was disappointing, but what was, what was your mindset when all that happened?
1: Oh my God. It was like so much, honestly. And it was just like, so much at once um so what i what i had go i think uh, it was supposed to be in april if i'm not mistaken right. um of last year so what i had going on was i was supposed to be in the uk from the 1st to the 20th i believe um and i was going to be doing i think i i had like 12 matches booked in the uk a lot of them were going to be with uh, rev pro i've never worked there before so i was really really excited to go out there and do that um, I think I was supposed to fly back on the 21st. Um, I was supposed to debut for AAA TV in Tijuana on the 23rd. And then I was supposed to do another show for AAA TV on the 24th in uh, Men But I wasn't available for that one because I was going to do the Ring of Honor tournament on the 24th. So I had all the UK stuff. I had uh, AAA TV and then I had the Ring of Honor stuff. And then it's like, okay, this thing happened and just boom. And I was like, I I mean, it was stressful. Like that was probably the biggest month of uh, that year that I was going to have. So I was really, really excited about everything. Um, And like, it wasn't just me. It was also like me and Alex were FaceTiming each other like a lot whenever this happened because we were so excited for it. Um, Actually, she's the one who originally had told me about it all. She was like yeah I'm gonna do it and I was like oh I want to do it and then I ended up uh I was going to do it and then it just got pulled and we were just like god darn it like we were very very excited for it um but it was out of my hands so I, I couldn't do anything so yeah it was stressful but I was like I mean at the end of the day everything works out um but at the time it was it was really really stressful it, because it wasn't just one thing it was a month of consecutive things but I mean everything happens for a reason. Um, and I think that COVID has opened a lot of people's eyes. I think a a lot, lot of people needed that break. I know I needed that break because I was putting myself on the enemies before I was uh before COVID happened. I was working like I, I was down in Mexico, so I was working like three or four days a week and I was exhausted. I was in so much chronic pain. I was like going to sleep with heating pads a few days out of the week. I was I swear, I I was I was in a lot of pain. Um, So, and I was just doing too much. And then when COVID happened, I was like, okay, it happened. And it, it was supposed to be like two weeks or whatever. And that progressed for a while. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I don't need to be killing myself like this. I don't know why I felt that I needed to be everywhere doing it. I mean, obviously I love what I do, but I didn't know how to take a break. And it really gave me that break. And, I mean, it all worked out well at the time. It was stressful, but I'm really, really happy with what I'm doing now. Um, and it probably happened for the better. Like I couldn't be happier with Ring of Honor. So I I think it affected a lot of people, but I think it made a lot of people grow in not only in wrestling, but outside of wrestling.
0: Yeah, I, I would say that, that for sure. Um, definitely was, uh, something none of us had obviously never been through before. And I think it forced a lot of us to maybe look at doing things a different way. And, and, um, and yeah, I think for some people, it was a chance to, like you said, maybe slow down a little bit, recharge the batteries. And, you know, obviously for you, it, it worked out like you said, because I mean, here you are, you're, you're one, one away from being the, the ring of honor women's world champion. If my research is correct, you didn't have as long of a break as, I know a lot of other people in the business who had to take months and months off. You were actually only out of the ring for a couple, maybe three months. Right. And then you started taking, I don't don't even think,
1: I don't even think it was that long. Um, well, like, Because I was, uh, when it happened, uh, I mean, everybody was freaked out. Nobody knew what was going on. My mom was stressing me out and she was like, I think you should come here just in case they close the borders and like stuff like that. I'm like, okay, mom, I'll go. So I was like living in Mexico and I went to go stay with my mom for a few weeks. And then that two weeks turned into like a month. Um, But we were in Texas and we were in uh, one of the, that's one of the first states that was like able to open up. So I did take like that little break. But as soon as like things open up, I went back to the ring. I wasn't like performing yet because most places weren't they are being very cautious, which understandable of doing shows or whatnot. But I was training, uh, I think within like a month after COVID happened. Um, That's all I could do. So I was doing that. And then we did like a few empty arena shows. Yeah, I think I was one of the first people to be like, actually it wasn't consistent because everything was so up and down and everything was so crazy. Um, but yeah, I've been, uh, I think it was just like, I had a little like month and a half. And then it wasn't anything crazy. Like I'm having like six bookings a month, but I had like one or two here and there and I was picking up wherever I could. I was also like, I would get bored in Texas after a few weeks, uh, because I was a full-time wrestler at that time. That's when I was living in Mexico and I had came down to stay with my mom. Um, so I was like get bored when I was in Texas, and I would go back to Mexico for a few weeks, and I would go back to Texas and back to Mexico. So I was still training. Uh, I just wasn't doing too many shows, but I did have a few shows here and there. Whatever I could pick up, I was picking up. So, yeah, I, I was still working. I was still. I mean, I have to. The thing about me, like, I'm very different from a lot of people. I'm always like go 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 go, and I think that's why I do so much outside of wrestling. Um, I I'm in school full time also. Like on my off days like some people like to like just sit at on the couch and like watch netflix and binge i can't do that i can literally only do that for about an hour and i'm like okay time to go work out or time to go i or to do something i just that's just how i am i've always been like that um i'm literally at the gym right now as we
0: oh you're at the gym as we speak
1: yeah <laughs> i'm at my job uh Yeah, uh, I I just like to be go, go, go. I I can't turn my energy down. Uh, I don't know why. I I was still working during COVID. I was still training. I didn't want to get rusty. And I love what I do. So I had to keep doing what I wanted to do for the sake of my own.
0: Yeah, well, that's a great point, too, because I think a lot of your peers did have to deal with... um, you know ring rust after having a layoff or you know a lot of them said to me well it was great you know i got to let my body heal i had been banged up and i got a chance to heal but then when they came back and started taking those first bumps again you know the body was had gotten used to not taking bumps. so those first couple of bumps really hurt it reminded them of you know how much the bumps do hurt so i think you were you were very fortunate in in uh, that regard But I know how busy you are because even just trying to set up this podcast (laughs) interview, I mean, you basically said you had one day where you could do it.
1: Yeah. Normally like my, it's just, I just do a lot outside of, uh, outside of wrestling. Um, I mean, I have a full-time job. I'm in school full-time and like my job is kind of like, it's not really a job. It's kind of my own business. So I have to maintain that. Uh, and I can always make time. It's just, uh, with everything that I do and everything that I juggle, I, um, I make my schedule a week out. So it like if, if it's one of those things where like, hey, Miranda, can you do this in two days? It's like, it's probably going to be a no. But like, <laughs> I can always schedule something like a week out. But I have to be like that because I have to manage school. I have to manage my clients. I have to manage. I even have to like write down my workouts right now. Um, but I, I like it. Uh, it keeps me consistent and it keeps me. I, I mean, I feel like a grown adult. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I well, have my little, I have my little like planner. I'm very, very old school. Some people like write down their stuff and their appointments in their phone. Like I have to take my little planner everywhere and literally write it down. It's
0: really oh, fun. you're old school. You got the, you got the pen and the, and the planner.
1: Yep, The pen and the planner. I don't, Yep, I, The phone. I can't do the phone.
0: <laughs> you know what? I actually, I mean, I'm older than you obviously, but I, I feel you on that. I feel like if I just put it in my calendar in my phone, that's, I, I don't know. That just doesn't work. I need to actually, I do the same thing. I need to write it down if I write it down and and I have a planner too like I don't know it just seems to it reminds me it, it's just better yeah I think it up.
1: just I think it just also like like if I have like an eight a m appointment a nine a m like once I'm done with that appointment, I get my little planner and I scratch it so like as I go through the day I scratch out every single hour that I'm done with and I think that has a lot to do with it me. also. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we're on the same wavelength on that. I'm big on making lists and scratching things off. I, I'm like when I go to the grocery store, I have to take my list and I take my pen with me. And every time I put something in the grocery cart, I cross it off the list. Maybe that's I don't know. Maybe that's taking it to okay, the extreme. I
1: don't do that. Like the <laughs> grocery stuff, the grocery stuff can be in my phone on the notes, but I do write okay. it down. Okay. Um, but when it comes to like my my daily life, like I just feel like, and I think a lot of people need to practice this more. Like if you like. If you go to bed on a Sunday night and don't write anything down, you're probably going to sleep in. But if you go to bed on a Sunday night and you write down 7 a.m. cardio, study at this time, ring time at this time, like it, it makes you accountable. And I think it also like gives you like a little bit of motivation. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it works for me.
0: Well, I mean, let me ask you this. Without delving too far into your personal life, with all that going on, do you have time for a personal life? Do you have time? Do you get eight hours of sleep?
1: Um, I, I don't say that I would average like eight every single day. Uh, sometimes it might be like six, but I, I do lay down pretty early. I, I like, I'm in by 10 o'clock. I'm out. I'm answering the phone. I'm answering. No, like by nine 30, I'm laying down 10 o'clock latest. Uh, I wake up pretty early. It's very, um, like as far I'm working pretty much like seven days a week, but that doesn't mean that I'm working all day, every day. Like one day I might like, have one client like tomorrow is a Monday. I have somebody at 8 a.m. and then I have school from uh, 9 to 12, but it's online. And then I have the rest of the day to myself. But then Tuesday, I'm fully booked all day. So it, it's kind of just like up and down. Um, I try to keep like at least one off day to myself so I can like focus on my workouts and take my time or like go to the skate park or just like uh, it, it can be a struggle. But at the end of the day, I do run my own business. I make my own schedule. If I don't want to work, I don't have to, but I'm just trying to set myself up for my future. Um, I really just need like one day to like recuperate. And the thing is, it's like, it's not, like I said, it's not like I'm going into a nine to five for a corporate job that I don't hate. I love what I do. I've been doing this since I was about 20 um so yes it's a job but it's not really a job yeah so I'm just like trying to set myself up for my future um I'm still pretty young right now I'm 27 so my mindset is like grind till you're 30 and then once I'm 30 I'll rest so yeah that's kind of how I just look at things right now I'm still like young to where I can do it so if I can do it now and rest later I'm okay with that
0: well, I'll tell you what. With your work ethic and obviously with your dedication and, and your energy level, like I can, I can see now why you have gotten as as far as you have in this tournament and I guess in the business in general because you're certainly and it's and it's clear that you're passionate about it. And uh, I like what you said too about you know this. I don't know. Sounds like a cliche. What is it like if you if you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life? I think is what they say. But there really is something to that. I think, Neil, really- but that's very real. Like, yeah, I, I believe like, it.
1: that's very real. Um, I think everybody needs like their time for themselves, but like, if you find what you love to do, like, it's not really work because you enjoy what you're doing and you're just getting paid for it.
0: It's true. Yeah. I, I feel the same way, you know, with what I do. Um, it's, I mean, yes, it's work and yes, there are times when it can be stressful or you can feel overwhelmed or whatever, but at the end of the day, you're doing something you love and so that's that's awesome and I'm glad uh you know I'm glad for anyone who gets to have a passion pursue it find success at it and and get paid for it you know I mean what that you can't ask for anything more than that
1: nope blessed
0: for sure well let me ask you this i want to just you mentioned being a fan um since you were a little girl i'm always curious like at what age exactly did you become a fan and how did you How did you find professional wrestling or how did it find, how did it find you?
1: Yeah, I don't, I, the age doesn't come from the top of my head, but I think it was like, I think I was in like elementary, uh, my cousin, we lived with my grandma and my cousin stayed there and he used to be obsessed with it. Like, he had the action figures. He had all the movies, all the books and everything. So he would, like, Monday Night Raw was, I don't know if it was Monday Night Raw back then. Uh, But, like, we watched it every single time. And that's how I got so into it, was because of him. Pretty much because of my cousin.
0: Okay. So at what point did you say to yourself, um... I'm not just a fan, you know, I'd like to actually be one of those wrestlers that I see on TV because I've heard you say before that you don't consider yourself um, very athletic, that you didn't have an athletic background. Is that, is oh that right? Oh my God.
1: I was so bad. My first day of wrestling was so bad. <laughs> um, well, I had did, uh, I played basketball when I was in middle school and I was really, really good at it. And for, especially for my size, cause I was short. Um, well, I'm still short. <laughs> uh, and then I did boxing for a while. Well, I tried to do boxing and I wanted to, but I had always had very, very, uh, I had a bad shoulder problem when I was younger. Um, so whenever, like I would, I was able to do everything, but when it was time to spar, my shoulder would dislocate a lot. Like my shoulder was so bad. Like when I was younger to the point where I would just be sitting and I could like reach over for a drink or something and it would just like snap out of place. Um, so I was, I had to stop doing that and I had to get like a surgery on it. Um, and then after that, I didn't play any sports because of that. Uh, but I was like, I think I was like 17 and I had not watched wrestling for a while. Um, and then I think I was just scrolling and it was on. So I just put it on and I was like, oh, I was like, this is like really, really different from what it was whenever I was younger. And I just kind of started watching it and like started watching some stuff on YouTube. And I was like, I think I want to try this. And then I went to, a, so I just looked up a school when I turned 18, which was like a few months later in houston and i went and then i was kind of disappointed because like okay um like i knew it was like kayfabe in a way i just didn't know how (laughs) so (laughs) i went to like the school and i was like i was just disappointed i was like i'm not doing this i'm not coming back (laughs) so i didn't go back and then like i got a call a few days later and they were like hey are you gonna come back and i was like i guess i'll go back (laughs) because and then i went back so yeah that's how it happened i kind of just watched it um as i was growing up with my cousin i was a big fan and then i think i think everybody at some point watches wrestling and then they stop and then one day i was just scrolling on tv and it was there and i watched it and then i started watching it more and more and then i just wanted to try it uh and i did and like i said i was very unathletic like it was really really bad
0: so you mentioned when you first got there you weren't quite sure what it was you weren't really smartened up i guess to the business didn't appeal to you you left you were brought back Once you came back, uh, is there a moment that where like the light bulb kind of clicked for you and and you were like, all right, I really think I can do this and be good at it?
1: I don't think there was like a moment, but when I went back, I just became addicted. I think, but I think it came down to once you start like picking up those basics, because I couldn't run the ropes. It took me forever. Like, I think it took me like a few months to be able to actually run the ropes the right way. Um, but I think once I started getting in the flow of everything like becoming smooth like I became like unstoppable I was there so many times a week I was working out all I wanted to do was go to training uh and I just fell like in love with it so I think it comes down to like once you start picking things up that's when I like became like really really addicted to it before I over got- trained for like looking back at when I first started I wish I didn't do this and like I always say this to younger people in the business because I train down here at a school uh, in Houston and I have a lot of students that I have this one student that goes there five days a week and I'm like I like love the drive but for the sake of like longevity because if I could go back I wouldn't do the crazy five hours five days a week because it's a lot of wear and tear on your body uh, but yeah I'm sorry were you going to ask something
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, before, when you were having the difficulties, when it wasn't clicking, running the ropes or whatever it was, even though you loved it and you wanted to succeed, was there a a moment, was there any self-doubt that crept in where it was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to get this?
1: No, I don't think there was um, any self-doubt. And I was also very, very young at the time, so I don't think I was even thinking outside of anything um, my trainers were like very, very uh they motivated me a lot and they believed in me, and I think that's all that I needed. I was the only girl there, so um they really, really like took their time to help me and I think that uh, I think that has a lot to do with why I never like quit or anything like that. I never there was never a point where I got like frustrated because uh, if I was doing something wrong, they would just like they wouldn't get mad at me. they would just they would try to help me and uh like being that they wanted to help me so much because I was the only girl there. Um, that made me stick there for, and just keep me focused. So they, I think my trainers have a lot to do with. Um, so I, it was always positive. I never like went home and was like, "Dang, I can't do this" or anything like that. And I think that has a lot to do with uh, the people that I was training with, because they made everything just. They made me very welcome, so I always wanted to be there.
0: Well, I, you know, I hear this story a lot of of women getting into the business, and when they say that they started training, they were the only woman there, or maybe there was just one other woman, or there were a couple, but they didn't stick with it. So, I've, I've heard that, you know, before, and I always wonder, um, what was that like being the only woman? And, and were they, was there a sense of, well, you know, we're all in this together, and we're not teaching you one way, and the guy's a different way, you're going to get in there and mix it up with them, and we're not taking it easy on you. Um, I mean, what was it like as far as you being, you know, one woman training with all these men?
1: Um, I don't think that, I think I was too young to actually even like look at anything outside of, I'm just going to like wrestling class. Um, I really wasn't like, the only thing I would do outside of the ring was like watch a bunch of like wrestling videos. I was still a fan for like the first three years. Um, but I don't think I ever went into it like, oh, I'm the only girl here, uh, or anything like that I think I was too young and too focused to even um even look at it from that point of view uh but now that I look back at it like I was getting my ass whooped in there (laughs) they were hitting me like really really hard like the people that I train with are like so snug um but I think it's a good thing because I think it's better that I know when it comes to tv you have to work with the girls but I think training with the boys makes you so much better. And I think when it's time to work with the girls, it's just easier. Um, I was They had brought, like, a few girls in afterwards. But um, it, it made me feel good because, if anything, like, I was like, oh, well, if I'm as good as the boys, like, okay, like, I, I guess I'm pretty good. So I don't think I ever looked at it like, oh, I'm the only girl, like, intimidated or anything like that. Like I said, uh, they were very, like, hands-on and welcome with me there um and to be honest like I was like probably the reason that because those these guys were like very very old school uh and they were done with their wrestling career they were just there helping me so I think um I think I kind of also motivated them in a sense okay if that makes sense
0: yeah absolutely I
1: I think they were only there they would only go there so much because they knew that they that they needed to help me they didn't do it for themselves they did it for me wow
0: that's great that's awesome All right, well, let's uh, squeeze in another quick break here, and we'll be back with more with Miranda Alizé right after this.
1: Want to hear post-match interviews from tonight's competitors? Want to see exclusive brand new matches? Want to learn about breaking news before anyone else? Week by Week is the perfect companion to everything that happens on ROH TV. It premieres every single Tuesday at 1 PM Eastern on the official ROH YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash ring of honor. Stay informed on the best wrestling on the planet. I'll
0: see you there. All right, we are back in the rr Strong podcast with Miranda Alizé. Miranda, we were talking about your training, and I know that you initially trained under uh, former wrestler Tugboat Taylor. You eventually then made your way to Booker T's school. What was the biggest difference, would you say, between the training you got initially uh with tugboat taylor and then what you learned at booker t's school
1: um i think the biggest difference was that uh whenever i was training with tugboat they uh had a very very old school approach like when we would hit the ropes we would have to hit it on our sides um and little stuff like that and then when i went to bookers he's i mean obviously he's a wwe guy so we had to like adjust to like Okay, don't hit the ropes on your side. That's the old school way. Hit the ropes on your back. So little stuff like that. But also I think the biggest thing was that uh, was learning that that TV aspect of, okay, well now you're doing shows on TV and on camera. And it's a whole different ballgame when it comes to like doing a show where there's not a camera and doing a show where it's time to film TV. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, there was like little stuff in like the basics that I had to switch up, which that was like, no problem. Um, practice makes perfect. But the biggest, uh, switch was being that when I went uh, to Booker T's, we were filming television and he started teaching us how to, how to work television instead of just working like an indie show.
0: Right. And that's such a huge thing because I know a lot of indie wrestlers before they get that, um, the first time they go to TV, it is, it's like a whole new ball game as far as knowing where the, the camera is, the hard cam and, you know, it, it is, a, it's a totally different thing. And it's great that Booker T has that TV, that local TV in Houston, and you can get that experience because then when you go to a ring of honor, or I know you've done some stuff with AEW, or uh, you were in the WWE May Young Classic, you've already, like you're TV ready because you have been in front of, uh, you've wrestled in front of a camera before. So I would think that's just invaluable
1: yeah um i it's i i think uh learning the tv style um will set you apart if you have to go out and work television um and you're in the ring with somebody who doesn't work television i think it's gonna it's gonna much show and it's gonna elevate you but not only for yourself but also for your opponent like okay time to place my opponent here okay entrance has to be here okay this spot should be ran this way because the hard cam's over here um So, yeah, I'm very grateful for it, and I think anybody who uh, is training needs to go to a school that teaches you how to work television because when it's – and you'll – like, depending on where you go, I'm pretty sure every – like, it's just experience, you know? You have to start working television. It takes a while to get used to it. Uh, There's still some stuff that I still haven't even picked up on. I mean, you learn every single day as a wrestler. Uh, But I think it's very, very important. Uh, Even if you're not out of school, that's – that has television. Like at at the school that I trained some of the guys at, I'm like, okay, time to run this spot guys. Your hard cam is over here because that's it's, you know, it's camera. You want your face seen. And I think that's very, very important. So to like all the young wrestlers, I think, uh, I I mean, if you're at a school who doesn't have TV, just act like there's a hard cam at, at a certain place and play towards that hard cam. So that when it's time to go and do television, you, in a sense have a little bit of practice and, uh, can make yourself stand out and make yourself not only yourself but your opponent look good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That is that is great advice. One hundred percent agree with that. Uh, another, obviously, a big aspect of the wrestling game is is promos and having the ability to speak and to get your uh, get your character across and to make people want to see you get in the ring and, and have a fight. Was was that aspect of the business something that came naturally to you, as far as being on a microphone and speaking? Obviously, you, you, you're very well spoken, but it, did it come naturally right from the beginning, or was it something you had to work at?
1: Um, we didn't. So when I was at Tugboats, we did, I was only at Tugboats for like a year and a half. Um, we didn't do any promos there. When we went to Rowe, he was bare, uh, He was barely building his division. Uh, from the top of my head I don't remember I know they have like a promo class I don't think they had that when I was there I don't remember us being too focused on promos but I do remember them bringing it up a few times um and I would kind of just like what I would do is um I would go home and like look up a promo of like one of my favorite wrestlers on my own and just kind of study the promo and then um I think it came a little natural for me, uh, but I think that comes down to knowing who you are as a character and actually believing what you're saying. Uh, there's so many people who film promos, and there a lot of them are just unbelievable. Um, so I think it comes down, and I think it comes down to knowing who you are as a wrestler, and I just I think that that plays a big part of it. Um, I would just I went on my own and studied like uh, people's promos. I would always look at like back in back at this time when i was younger i would always look at aj lee's promos uh and just take it from there we didn't do too much too much promo work um this is coming to ring of honor this is the the most promo work i've ever done in my life
0: oh okay wow yeah i mean i think you do very well uh, on the mic so i would i i wouldn't i wouldn't have guessed that i would have thought that you had plenty of plenty of opportunities to uh to do it but i think you really hit on a big point there is a lot of it is just knowing who you are, knowing your character and having that confidence to, to speak. And I think once you have those things and it's really just storytelling, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just, it's telling a story and wanting people to, again, giving them a reason to want to see you fight your opponent. So I think that's, you know, I, I think sometimes maybe people can overthink it, but, um, yeah.
1: And I think, and I think it's also comes down to believing in yourself and believing what you're saying. Right. Um, you have to believe what you're saying. Cause if you don't believe in yourself, it, it shows, and that's not only in promos that's in matches also.
0: Let me ask you about um, the Lucha style. Is that something, because you said you grew up a WWE fan, like most people, um obviously they had some some Mexican wrestlers there but it's certainly not a heavily uh lucha style by any means in in WWE were you familiar at all with Mexican wrestling and lucha libre uh is that something that you researched and you thought well I'd be really good at that because of my obviously your heritage or your size or or whatever like how did how did lucha become such a part of you
1: um no it was from the beginning it wasn't something that uh I, from the beginning, honestly, I wouldn't even watch like any wrestling except for WWE. And my trainers would get so mad at me when I would say that. Uh, but I didn't understand like anything outside of WWE because that's all I wanted to do when I was like those first like three to four years. Um, I think I think how I got so involved in it is that I did a show in Mexico and it was my first show in Mexico. Uh, and I was like, okay, this is really, really freaking cool. So I just wanted to keep doing those shows and keep doing those shows. And I was, and I was like, I think I want to move to Mexico to do this stuff. And I I did. Yeah, I'll lock it up. Um, So I just, it it came down to me going there and I fell in love with it whenever I went there. It wasn't something that like I studied or researched. It was the experience uh, uh, that made me fall in love with it.
0: Do you feel like because you've mentioned that you've you've wrestled all over the world not just Mexico, obviously you spent time in Japan with Stardom, you mentioned you've been in the UK, all these different places have different styles. Um have you taken do you think aspects of all these different styles and incorporated it into what you do?
1: I think so. Um I think my I think my style is very very much like lucha based um I don't do like a lot of strong style or any stuff like that uh because that's just not my style I've learned it but I only um I kind of only take what works for me to be honest um I I learn like everything here and there um but like I'm not really a grappler if I have to I will like in the match with with Nicole Savoy I had to so I did I'll pull it out when it needs to be but I I kind of stick to what to what works for me for the most part like I said, I, I've learned it all, and when, if and when I need to pull it out, depending on the opponent, I will, but I I, I stick to what works for me, and I think that that's, like, the high-pace, fa- high-flying uh, high uh, lucha-based style.
0: Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about training with men, um, and I know that you've had a lot of matches with men. Intergender wrestling is something that I guess, I don't know if it's, if controversial is the right word, it was like, some people like it, some people don't. Um, what, what are your thoughts just on intergender wrestling, I guess, in general? And, and as far as it applies to you specifically, why you, why do you, uh, why do you like those matches more?
1: Um, okay. Well, the main reason that I like those matches more is because, uh, of my style. It takes a lot. My style takes a lot of, not just myself, a lot of the other person, um, uh, and the other person has to be very, very strong, so that's why I work with the guys to do all of that lucha-based stuff, um, and a lot of the guys are really, really fast. Uh, I mean, when it comes to intergender wrestling, like, if you don't like it, I, I just don't watch it, I guess. I don't I don't know. I know a lot of people like it. I know the girls love it. Most girls love it. I do know that there are some girls who are like, no, I'm not doing that, uh, but the reason that I enjoy it so much is because uh, of my style. Uh, I get to do my style with with the boys more than what I can do with the girls. Um, So that's what that comes down to.
0: Yeah,
1: I've been wrestling the boys for like the past two years. Uh, But I also think it makes me a better wrestler, to be honest.
0: Well, you made a great point about it it works well with your style because, I mean, without getting too inside here, but yeah, when when someone has a lucha-based style, they need someone to base for that those moves. Yeah,
1: it's it, and that's like the that's like the very fortunate but also unfortunate part of like the style that I do um uh, is that a lot of what I do is based on the other person. Um yeah. and if that other person cannot do that, then we just like then we can't do it. And uh the boys just tend to be better when it comes to that style of training. And the boys tend to be faster when it comes to that style of training. Uh, cuz lucha is very is something very very different and a lot of people don't uh don't pra- like it's different for me because i went to mexico like even if you train lucha in america it's very very different than what it would be if you go to mexico like the speed is 10 times more the placement is different um so yeah i, I just tend to mash well a little better with the boys when it comes to uh having that style and being able to do those type of things in the ring so that's why I wrestle the boys. Um, but I also think uh, it has a lot to do with my character um, as far as, like, wrestling the boys. Because,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Yeah, okay. I think it comes down to both.
0: Obviously, the mask is, uh, is a big thing in, uh, in Mexican culture, Lucha Libre wrestling. I know that you have a mask that you wear to the ring, but you don't wear the mask. Was there ever a point where you considered wearing a mask when you wrestle?
1: Yeah, there was a point um and so many people were like no, do not do it and I tried it anyways. Um <laughs> and I I I tried it and that thing the thing is it it was made as an entrance mask. It wasn't made as as a mask that you're supposed to wrestle in. So I tried wrestling in it um at a show in Chicago and that thing was going all over the place and I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, I'm not doing that again." And I think it was uh Jim, Jimmy Jacobs hated it from the first the first moment I brought it up, he's like, uh, he did not like it. And he was like, you should not be wearing that, uh, especially to wrestle. And then I tried to wrestle in it that night. And he was like, so did you like it? And I was like, no. And he was like, yeah. He's like, no. But uh, I think it works for the entrance. But uh, there was a point where I did, uh, I was going to try it. And in my mind, I had it like that. Uh, but it, it, yeah, no, it, it didn't work out. <laughs>
0: Well, I could see two different sides of it. I could see, because there aren't a lot of women, certainly in this country, that, that wear a mask. So it would have definitely set you apart and made you stand out. But I could also see from a promoter's standpoint saying, why would you put a mask on an attractive woman? Right? I could see that aspect. Oh, my
1: God. They all told me that. They were of like, course. yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like back in the day, I think a lot of the men, ma- I'm talking about old school wrestling, a lot of the guys I think used to, that put the masks, masks on had to put them on because you know they weren't the best looking guys around, so they needed the masks. <laughs> <laughs> That's something. Like that. Well, let me ask you one last question before we uh, take our final break and do come back and do ten questions. If Roxy is listening to this right now, she's listening to this podcast. Um, as I said, we're just we're not that far away from you guys stepping in the ring together at Death Before Dishonor. If she's listening, what message would you have for her?
1: I mean, I think I made my message very, very clear. Uh, I've been waiting for my moment forever. I sat in the back and watched everybody have their moment. She's going to have to bring it. Like, she's going to have to bring it. I have ran through a lot of girls. And if Roxy thinks that it's going to be any different for this match, uh, I I just hope she's in the right headspace coming into the ring with me. Because she's going to have to put up a fight that she's never had before. She's going to have to bring me down. And it's going to take a lot to bring me down. And I think I'm just going to leave it at that because uh, I'm not thinking too much about it. I know it pro- the match probably keeps her up at night, though, but that's okay. <laughs> okay. All
0: right. Well, Roxy, if you if you heard that, um, I, I definitely say, you you know, you may have your work cut out for you. I think it's going to be a great match. I'm not going to pick a winner. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it. Obviously, I'm not good at picking winners because, uh, you know, I had Nicole Savoy winning the whole thing. That, that didn't happen. All right. Well, we're going to take our final break. We come back. We're going to play 10 questions with Miranda let's roll america roll up your sleeves to give blood you can help save lives of patients that depend on blood every single day ring of honor wrestling has once again teamed up with american red cross for sinclair cares roll up your sleeves make an appointment today to donate blood your donation will help save lives and impact countless more go to sinclaircares.com to schedule your appointment now All right, we are back on the RH Strong podcast with Miranda Alize. Now it's time to play 10 questions. Miranda, are you ready? Yes. And it is now time for 10 questions with Kevin. All right, question number 1. What's something on your bucket list?
1: as far as wrestling
0: it could be any way you want to answer it as far as wrestling or just life in general
1: oh okay uh when it comes to a wrestling standpoint uh my bucket list i definitely want to go back to the uk and i definitely want to go back to japan
0: okay question number two what's a subject you'd like to know more about
1: um i don't know if this is a subject but maybe we can just put it in this in this in
0: this boat, uh, spirituality. Huh. Okay. That's uh, that's very interesting because it leads me right into my next question. This is sort of along the lines of spirit spirituality. Question number three: Have you ever had a paranormal experience?
1: I used to have like a, I used to, so I, I used to have like sleep. I don't know if this is paranormal, but I used to have like sleep paralysis uh, when I was younger. But, but it was only when I stayed at my grandma's house. I think that place is haunted because my <laughs> uncle would have the same exact dreams that I had. I swear that place was haunted. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of sleep paralysis when I was younger, when I lived with my grandma.
0: Well, you, you and your uncle had the same dreams.
1: Yeah. It was like, I don't know if you know what sleep paralysis is. I think oh, like a yeah, I do. Yeah, I think it hits like everybody different. Uh, I don't know if it's. I looked into it because I would get it very, very frequently, and apparently, like it has like a little bit to do with anxiety. I don't know. I there's like a whole book on it. Um, but I would just like have like these uh dreams where I felt like something was suffocating me and I couldn't breathe. Um, and it would like it's really, really scary. I had it for a very, very long time. Uh, And I learned how to manage it. But my uncle started having those same type of dreams um, in the same house. And whenever, like, I stopped staying there and, like, didn't stay at my grandma's house, I didn't have those dreams anymore. And, like, my grandpa tells me that he uh, has seen people walking to the restroom at night down there. And my mom has had a bad experience in that house. And so has my grandma. Um, I haven't had to deal with anything besides the sleep stuff. Very fortunate because I don't like that stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, that all sounds pretty freaky to me, so I, I, I think there's probably something there as far as the haunted house goes. Um, it's
1: 1,000% haunted. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> all
0: right, question number four. If you could have a conversation with any celebrity or historical figure, past or present, who would it be?
1: Um, I think it would be Charlotte Flair.
0: Well, yeah, I would definitely love to sit down. I could see wanting to pick her brain, not only uh, for what she's accomplished in the business, but certainly growing up in the business. All right, question number five. Do you cook? And if so, what is your specialty?
1: Uh, Yeah, I do cook, but I don't do anything too crazy. I don't really have like a specialty. I kind of just cook like my little meal preps here and there. Uh, I have like a guy that I get like these free meal preps from uh, because he sponsors me. And then by, like, Wednesday, I pick those up on Monday, and by, like, Wednesday, those are gone. So I'll cook, um, like, my own little meal preps. Uh, But other than that, no, it's not something I enjoy doing. I actually hate doing it, to be honest. (laughs) Okay.
0: All right, question number six. Do you have any hidden talents? Is there something that you're good at that uh, maybe we don't know about?
1: I think it's just the skateboarding, but I think most people know about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm also very, I wouldn't consider, I don't know if you consider this. I mean, it is a talent in a way. It's like, uh, I'm very, very good at what I do for a living outside of wrestling when it comes to like the corrective exercise and the prehab and the cupping therapy and all of that. I manage that very, very well. Um, but
0: I think it just comes
1: down to like that and skateboarding.
0: <laughs> okay. All right, question number seven. Do you have a celebrity crush or did you have one growing up?
1: I think everybody had one growing up. Um, I think when I was like a little girl, I used to have a crush on John Cena. I had like a picture of him with my friend. so um, um, I, I, I think everybody has one. I'm going to uh, leave I quit. I'm just going to answer it as that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's a safe way to go. All right, question number eight. Uh, earlier, you mentioned that you don't really have time to binge watch TV or anything like that. Obviously, with your busy schedule. But question number eight is, what is the last show you, you binge-watched? If you ever did binge-watch a show, what was it?
1: Uh, so just in general, I'm honestly just not a TV person. I just can't watch TV. I'll watch like a little bit of uh, NXT. Uh, but there is one thing that I can watch. It will. It is the only thing that can get me to sit down and watch for like an extended period of time. And it's like the crime documentaries on Netflix. I can watch those things all day. And I don't even like watching TV, but I love those things. Uh, the unsolved crimes and like all the crazy documentaries. I can watch those all day.
0: Yeah. That stuff's very good. Did you watch the John Wayne Gacy documentary?
1: I don't think so.
0: Okay. I think that was Netflix. It was one of the streaming services, but If yeah, it's a crime
1: wasn't... thing, don't tell me about it because then I'm going to have to go watch it today. That's
0: my <laughs> <story>. <laughs> okay. All right. Question number nine. Uh, here's a fun one. Uh, if there was a movie made about your life, the Miranda Alizé story, what actress would play you?
1: Oh, um, I don't know, man. <laughs> That's a tough question.
0: <laughs> hey, you could play yourself, right?
1: I guess. I don't know. You tell me who would play me.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know, especially because I'm like... There's so, not a
1: lot of people like me, that's why. Yeah,
0: I, I'm not real... Like, I don't know a lot of... Um, I'm sure there's many current actresses, you know, that I just don't know about. You know, because I, I still watch movies from the 70s. Oh, yeah, because I
1: mm-hmm. don't even... Yeah, I don't even watch TV like that. I'm out
0: right. of the loop with of TV. Yeah, I'm out of the loop, too. Um, I don't know, maybe... Does uh, Selena Gomez act... I don't know, would she be...
1: I mean, can she play the Lucha Batty? I don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, I guess we'd have to see how good of an actress she really is. I You know, probably be a stretch for her. So I don't know. It's the only name I could think of. All right. Question number 10. Final question. What's the best advice that you've been given about the wrestling business? And who gave it to you, if you remember?
1: Um, I don't think that there is. I don't think I can pinpoint that to one thing because I have been doing this for a long time and I've gotten advice from everywhere and everybody. So I don't think that I have one pinpoint. I think it comes down to multiple things. Um, But I think if I could give somebody advice, I think the best advice that I could give to somebody is work hard, believe in yourself, and stay out of the drama and keep to yourself. And I think the stay out of the drama and keep to yourself, it's very, very important. Um, Make a few friends and only make a few friends. Don't let a lot of people close to you because you don't know who's who's clapping for you and you don't know who's coming for you. Uh, I've taken a lot of advice from everywhere. I've been around a lot of people, but if I could give anybody advice, I would say hard work over everything and a small circle.
0: That's outstanding advice. I really think that that's wise advice. And here's my advice to anyone who gets in the ring with you: I think they should keep their hands away from your mouth.
1: Oh my God, is this a thing now?
0: Yes, <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> I mean, you you bit Nicole's hands. And I, you know, she even said, "Miranda, what what's up with that?" It was I just... know.
1: I saw I saw Maria tweet. She said, "Please, no eating the division." <laughs> That's
0: right. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Miranda, I know how busy you are. So I really, really do appreciate you giving us some time today. I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, I will wish you luck. I have to be impartial, uh, but I will wish you luck and I'll wish Roxy luck as well. Um, I I, I can't wait to see what you guys do. Uh, Death Before Dishonor, September 12th, on pay-per-view, streaming for Honor Club. Best of luck to you.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, and I want to thank everybody else out there for listening today, and I will remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHwrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHwrestling.com and ROH's social media channels, at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, every Friday, on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin X saying, stay safe and let's all be ROH strong.